I'm talking vintage clothes, people. I think you can dress to make yourself look however you want to look. And I think that you can make people perceive you to be one thing or another by the clothes that you wear. The Manhattan Vintage Show is going to be in person for the first time in a year. And they are selling limited tickets on April 9th and 10th. I'm going to go. I bought a ticket. I'm going to see. They, they're going to have half the vendors that they normally do. I told myself I'm not going to buy anything. You know that's not true. You know I'm probably going to walk out with something. But I'm going to try not to go hog wild like I usually do. The prices are usually pretty high because to rent a booth there, it's a lot of money. I think it's $1,000 to rent a booth at the Manhattan Vintage Show. But anyway... I'm going. I will give you a full report. I will give you a play-by-play while I'm there, and you can experience it right along with me. It was so much fun to go to a live in-person event again. This one was done very carefully. They sold tickets instead of being able to just walk in which they normally sell tickets anyway, but you can always buy tickets at the door and they limited the number of tickets they were selling. They had half the amount of vendors. Everything was really spread out and socially distanced. I brought my friend Samantha, former Rockette. She's new to vintage, but she loves to quilt. And I was telling her about the trend this spring of 2021 about people making old quilts into jackets Sure enough, we saw several quilted jackets at the vintage sale. My next guest is Kari Lane of Carnet Creative. And we had such a fabulous talk earlier in the winter about vintage, about sustainable fashion. I have a Poshmark shop. If you're interested in taking a look at it, you can go to Poshmark, which is an app, at showgirlm. And you can use the code showgirlm for a $10 credit. And if you see anything you like, you can put it in a bundle and then in the comments, just put podcast and I will give you a discount. Okay. I'm interested in clearing out my closet. I've got lots of great stuff. If you want to keep fashion out of the landfills, fabric out of the landfills, there's also a company called Fab Scrap. And they rescue the leftover fabric from the fashion industry. And they have a warehouse in Brooklyn. You can volunteer at the warehouse and sort things for credit to have some fabric. And you can also shop at their 26th Street store in Manhattan. Now it's by appointment only. But last winter, I got some great fabric and I made things during lockdown last year. Hi, everybody. I'm here with Kari Lane of Carnet Creative, and she is a vintage entrepreneur. Hi, how are you? Hi, hi. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. And I just wanted to welcome you to the Showgirl Tip of the Day podcast. We usually talk about show business, mm-hmm. but if anybody knows me out there, you know how much I love vintage fashion. So let's talk a little bit about you and what you do. Yes, I am not in showbiz and my experience is very limited to choir in church and high school, but I do love um, the glitz and the glam and that definitely translates into vintage fashion. I started collecting, I always say before I was even born, my family was always interested in antiques and collectibles and they started my collection for me 
before I could even crawl. But I grew into loving just finding something that's unique that nobody else has and also learning to be sustainable and not overproduce and have something that is not going to create, you know, a space in the landfill or create a space that um, is something that's not wasted. So that kind of led me to go in my fashion realm, which I wanted to go and study fashion design at Parsons School of Design. That dream started in sixth grade. I did my first design when I was in third grade. I started sewing when I was nine. So I really had that creative spark in me as well. So I started in fashion design and I wanted to minor in sustainability, but I ended up before in high school working for a vintage boutique, which I'm sure Michelle has mentioned before. And that is actually how I met her called Milena's Vintage Boutique. And we met in Manhattan at the Manhattan Vintage Show. Yeah. And I loved your booth. Uh, Ms. Milena's booth was, you all were so friendly. And there were a couple of booths there where they were acting a little bit snooty. And I was like, that's weird because aren't you here to sell things? My friend Dan of Connie's Vintage Trunk rented a booth at the last vintage show. So I know how expensive those booths are. They're very costly. And I just was like, oh, okay. But when I got to your booth, you were there with Milena and there was a gentleman there working too. And the three of you were just so nice. You were pulling things for the customers and just talking like real people and just being really friendly. I ended up buying several things that day from you all, but it was more than just the fact that you had nice things. It was just like you just were being so like the customer service was so good. And I always remember that. Thank you. That really means a lot to us. I know that's something that was really ingrained in our experience. And, you know, we're, I'm based in Westchester, PA. So not by any means. I'm about two hours from New York City. And both Melena and I had shopped the show, you know, before we were ever vendors. And she had worked for multiple boutiques in New York City when she had lived there. And there is a completely different idea of customer service. And I think that it's something that thankfully is changing more and more as the vintage business grows and sees where it can, you know, take people. But it is something that's really hard. I mean, I am always first a vintage shopper. And, you know, those booths, I came away feeling sad. You know, people hurt your feelings. You know, they were rude. It was almost like they felt that they were the value of the object, not that you had value in purchasing the object. And that show, you know, it's very overwhelming. If anyone that's listening has any experience, it is like the mecca of flea markets at Saks. Like it is, you are doused in Dior and Givenchy and, you know, Bonwitteller, like costume jewelry, Miriam Haskell, rhinestones everywhere. Um, I mean, Zoe Kravitz, Anna Sui, um, so many actresses and actors and everyone who is everyone goes to shop that show so it's and it's a dress to success event I quickly learned yes. I quickly learned like you cannot go after teaching dance you better bring an outfit and no. you better have a nice <laughs> purse oh yes. yeah it is the fashion 
fashion show that is not a fashion show. You, yeah, you are what you wear. And I mean, that also is somewhat of the energy of New York City as well and the excitement. But yeah, we we loved that show. That show was so exciting. Um, it was so much preparation, so much like, you know, stress and as you know, cost. But it was something that, you know, I really enjoyed being a part of Melina's and growing with her. And we had tried to, you know, collaborate and see how we can move forward. And I was there for about five years, which is kind of wonderful. Yeah, I was there when I was studying at Parsons School of Design. And I was there for about a year. And when I was in New York City, I started sourcing for Melina, picking up small things here or there, nothing substantial, but really enjoying the, the buying perspective and finding the pieces. And when I came back from school, and I decided to come home, just for some lovely medical issues and family. And I ended up not returning to Parsons. And I started finding that urge to source and find treasures and I bring them to Milena. And then I started growing in relationships with other small vintage sellers and businesses. And I was traveling all over New York, Philadelphia, um, selling to these um, different vendors and different shop owners. And at the end of the day, I was exhausted from schlepping everything around and, you know, making a couple dollars. And I was glad that things were going to be loved and used. But then I started to discover First, I discovered Depop, which is a online marketplace app. It is a mix, I would say, of social media based and marketplace. So it's really lovely curated, but I didn't find a lot of success on there. And I actually went to Poshmark, which is my main source of income right now. I've sold almost about 1,600 items on there. And I started wow. in September, end of September 2017. So that was my, my first venture out into e-commerce and I slowly grow. Now I am on eBay. I am on Depop. I am trickling onto Etsy. And as Michelle and I constantly interact with each other, I try to get the product on Instagram and Facebook and all that jazz as well. I love how you market lately with the Instagram. Uh, the other day you had red things and you were modeling a f- couple of outfits, but your lighting lately is amazing. And I just bought a purse from you because I saw it and I was like, this purse is part of the showgirl spring wardrobe now. I need to have it. <laughs> but you're also, even in an Instagram like interaction or a Poshmark interaction, you're always just so attentive and kind. What is the name of your Poshmark shop so everyone can go check it out? Yes. So all of my links are Carnet Creative. And that is on Poshmark. That is on Instagram. You can find my website that way, www.carnetcreative.com. That is the name that I chose for the company because, and I don't talk about this very much, but my main muse and inspiration for vintage was my Aunt Janet. And she was an incredible woman, an incredible collector. And she gave me my first design commission. She always cut out the Wall Street Journal passion pages and New York Times columns on vintage and fashion. And so I I merged our names, Kari and Janet, for that. But I also am a rule of thirds person and three is my magic number. So I needed three reasons. (laughs) So I also, it was a good mix between karma and planet. So, you know, what comes around comes around and that also, you know, doing something sustainable is a huge part of everything that I do here. 
And then I was like, whoa, I always lose my third one. But <laughs> then I was doing my name and my birthstone, which is Kari and Garnet, because I'm born in January. My magic three. And yeah, that really kind of affirmed like, okay, this is the right name. This is the right direction. Because I know anyone that's starting a venture is your name is, you know, your first impression. It's everything you are. It's your search engine optimization. It's everything. So I really wanted something to be personal and special. Just like, you know, you said, I try to be as attentive to my customers as I possibly can. And knowing that experience is, you know, everything in commerce. It is. And I know I have ordered from you before and everything arrives so beautifully wrapped. For me, I love vintage clothing, but when I get something like that, like I'm looking forward to opening the box that the purse is coming in. It's like a little surprise and it's a gift and it's just a wonderful treat. And yet it is not something that has been made with um, fast fashion and exploiting other people's labor. I know that I'm helping to support a young woman's business and you are supporting yourself. You're growing every year. And I just, I, if I'm going to buy something, I would prefer to buy that way than to go to one of the chain stores that, you know, I did some touring in Europe and back like 25 years ago, H&M had some really nice things. And I, I had a whole bunch of these pants with a side zipper. They were like ankle length slim they had a little bit of lycra in them and they were just nice pants, like a step above jeans. Yeah. And I remember getting them in every color because I just was like, these are my pants. How quickly the quality just the quality just went so far south, in my opinion. And I try not to even go into those stores anymore. I try not to look at their websites anymore because I'm like, you know what? I don't want fast fashion anymore. Yeah, it's it's crazy. You know, I say every time I, I go in the mall, I feel like I'm in a foreign place. And when I was a little girl, my mom, you know, we always went to thrift stores and that was, you know, 10 times more exciting to me. And I find myself in the mall like I could buy this and, you know, I don't need I don't need to spend $40 on a T-shirt <laughs> if it's not single stitch from the 1970s, you know, but seeing the value and having something that isn't creating child labor, wastefulness, like fashion pollution is abysmal. It's it's horrible. Like what our industry is doing to people and, you know, and the places that we live in, it's it's very important, you know, it's it's very important to see that this has a real effect. And, you know, everyone, it's hard to see that one item can make that change, but we buy thousands of items just for ourselves every year. And and now it's thousands of Amazon packages. So not only is that item creating waste but all that packaging material so I try to use 100% recycled packaging and you know I, I know that sometimes it's hard like you want to have perfect branding and a pretty poly mailer and you know but I also use like vintage dead stock wrapping paper as my um as my packaging. So that kind of still creates an exciting experience for the buyer to open. And, you know, it makes me happy that this item or the packaging, it creates that joy when you're opening it, but they're, they might be tossing it or recycling it anyway after, but it creates that joy, that special experience of opening the package, but it's not creating another source of waste. So you said the word dead stock. Can you tell our listeners what dead stock means? Yeah. So there's a couple words used in the industry, dead stock or new old stock or new with tags. 
but dead stock specifically is for merchandise that was carried in a store. It was never purchased by a consumer. So that then went to, you know, a wholesaler like TJ Maxx or in Philadelphia, like Jomar. Um, So these other smaller box stores would buy out the inventory. Whereas now I purchase things at a thrift store and it might have the tag. So that would be new old stock or new with tag. Great. I have my own little sweet spots up in Maine for sourcing. I buy clothes mainly for myself and I do have a Poshmark myself called Showgirl M, but it's mostly stuff from my own closet that I have to clear out just because my poor daughter no longer has a room. She's in college and I'm trying to make <laughs> like I'm trying to clear out some space because I'm, it's it's out of control. I love clothes so much, but I have worn the same things I want to say for 20, 30 years I just went up one size. My body changed. You know, I was a professional dancer for many years and I was very small, not on purpose, just from the work I was doing. And everybody's body changes over time. And I am over 50 now, which I'm totally not ashamed of saying, but I'm up one size. And I think, you know, in our diet culture and whatever, going up one size, I didn't do it on purpose. All of a sudden, uh, dresses would no longer zip up the back. Like my whole rib cage got bigger and yeah, um, my hips, my hips changes. It's amazing. Your bone structure, yeah. you know, yeah, your bones those tacos, change. but it's also the bones. Like it is. Yeah. Crazy. And in the pandemic, I started training because I was um, going through a lot of painful, like my lower back and my hip was hurting. So I can honestly say like, I'm in good shape. I'm fit, but my size is now different. So all of these, the smaller size things I'm trying to get rid of. I gave a lot of stuff to my students, but there's some things that like, I feel like, like I have a pair of coach pumps that I feel like I can sell rather than just give away, you know, things like that. So I have a couple of sweet spots where I go. Do you have a whole list of on a map of where you like to go? (laughs) I I do have my sweet spots. I mean, I, I grew up where I live now, so I definitely know every pretty much thrift store in the immediate area. Um, but I also really love traveling and, you know, in changing this to go full time with Carnet Creative. It, and before the pandemic gave me the opportunity to travel. So I would go to events where I would be networking and also then sourcing too. And that gave me an opportunity to try a new area, you know, get to see a little bit, but also it's very different, you know, even just a state over or in my case, sometimes a city over what inventory is at a thrift store. I was just up in Dublin, PA, which is about an hour and 20 minutes from here. And I went in this random little church thrift store and I those are the in. best. Oh, my heart just feels at home in there. And you come in, you're just shuffling behind this little old man and they're shopping for the purses in the purse section. And it was packed in there. And it was so cute because I got to the register and I had a pretty hefty basket full by the end of it. And the women were like, oh my gosh, you found the basket sale. You put everything in a basket and it's $10. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? 
I was like, I've just been in the store. I put a timer on for 20 minutes. I was like, I'm not spending too much time. My poor dad and dog were in the car. And I was like, I'm not going to stay too long. I was like, okay, I got to go back through. I got to do another trip. But it is, it's, it's marvelous to see, you know, what you can find. And in that store, I found a barber men's cashmere blend scarf i found beautiful panama hats from peru i found a moschino new with tags suit it's just it's it's amazing what you can find and that gives me the opportunity to pay my bills like you know i can pay my rent i can pay my gas i'm not living an extravagant lifestyle by any means but i tend to work 12 to 16 hours a day seven days a week it's it's not easy it's not easy work and we're we're at the beginning stages but I would not, I simply cannot picture myself doing anything else. It's something that this is every spite of my being. This is what I love to do. And yeah. Yeah. You seem really happy lately. And that makes me happy just knowing that you are in your zone. You're doing what you love to do and you have the eye to pick things out. So what is the best piece you've ever come upon? Like, what is your holy grail? Like, aha. (laughs) This is, this is a fun one. This is, I went to one of my favorite Goodwills and it was a pair of earrings in the jewelry case. And now I tend to, at the thrift store, the jewelry is usually nothing special. It's usually bulk, you know, China jewelry. But in the bottom of this tiny little bowl in the back corner was a pair of earrings. And I looked at them and I didn't have my little loop. So a loop is a tiny little magnifying glass that um, a lot of jewelers carry and antique dealers when they're shopping. So you can see what the metal markings on the jewelry is. But I looked at the earrings and I was like, you know what? These are really incredible. I flipped them over and I swore that I saw the T and Co marking on the back. So I just scooped them up for $1.99 and went on my way. And then I found them and I brought them into the vintage shop I was working at. I pulled out the loop. Turns out they were 18 carats, solid gold, lapis de lazuli. Tiffany and Company, and they sold on eBay for about $1,700. Yeah. Oh, good for you. Yeah. They were that makes me happy. Cool. Sometimes you are <laughs> in the right place at the right yeah. time. And um, you know, I'm- those people donated them and they could have been at the bottom of a trash bag. You know what I mean? Like, that's the kind of thing that makes me crazy because it could have just been thrown away, you know? Yeah. There's, I I know several people. When my father-in-law passed away, we spent two weeks going through his apartment in Florida and the man loved kitchen dishware. He had like (laughs) seven or eight full sets. Yeah. He also had monogrammed towels and he had all the stuff. It took us a couple weeks to go through his stuff, but we ended up donating so much of it because we each took a set of dishes and then how many sets of dishes do you need? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so people, uh, particularly the mm-hmm. relatives of people who pass away, you do reach a point when you're going through someone's stuff, you reach a point where you're saturated and you're like, okay, let's just get rid of all the stuff. Cause usually you have to like vacate an apartment or mm-hmm. sell a there house. A huge time constraint most of the time too. Yeah. Yeah. Which for me personally, I want to do when I'm a little bit older, something called death cleaning, because I don't want my poor daughter to have to deal with all of my stuff. So I'm definitely like 
you know, starting to think about if, you know, not if I pass away, I always pretend that I'm not going to. No, it's, um, it's, yeah, it's not going to happen. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> not me. <laughs> you know, when the time comes, what, what kind of shape do I want to leave all my things in? So I want to have things in order. But I do know that for, for those of us that love this kind of stuff, I don't know about you, but my favorite era is like the Jackie O shift dress, cape, three-quarter sleeve, pillbox hat. That's my time. And so I specifically look for those kind of things. Those yeah. are, that's my jam. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I love I love the idea of the 1960s. I am most definitely an hourglass figure. So most of the things from that time period don't tend to hit, um, flatter my body shape as well. But I think that's really important for vintage is, is not all creative equal and wear whatever you feel beautiful in and feel fabulous in. But you also can kind of gravitate to what your decade is because now we're in the age of there's a hundred plus trends going at any given time. But you know, in the 1960s, if you weren't wearing the linen shift dress in a heavyweight cotton, you were banished. You could not wear anything else. And there was one specific trend. So it's something that is very helpful in dating pieces when you're out in the wild, but also in identifying what is your era, what is the pieces and the, the trend of that era that you are gravitating towards. But for me, I absolutely love the 1940s. I love anything that's bias cut and it has a beautiful way of laying and super flattering. So most days I find myself if I'm not in a matching 1980s sweatsuit, which seems to be my uniform these days, I find myself going towards a silk slip dress and I'll wear like a cool vintage t-shirt or a sweater over that. And of course, with a trusty pair of sneakers. So <laughs> I love I love when you show the 80s color blocked outfits now because I was a teenager in the 80s. So I won't I have a rule with myself. Like if I wore it the first time, I'm not going to wear it the second time. Yeah. But when you are when you're modeling like those color block suits, they look so cute on you. I think back in the 40s, didn't people sew a lot of their own clothes or they had a seamstress maybe make them like one suit a season? People wore a lot less clothing. They would maybe have two dresses and a suit and a couple of a couple of skirts, a couple of blouses, things like that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a, a great point I'm picking up because there was not the abundance or the avail like the ability to even afford more than an outfit a season. And it was incredible, you know, the way that they care cared for their garments and darned things and mended things. And and sometimes when you come across them now, if you're lucky enough to you're like, I'm not sure how this patch was even made on here, but they surely found a way to get it on there. But it is incredible to come across these pieces because they are incredibly rare because there's not the plethora that there would be now. And also there is just not the, they wore them to bits. So if they were, that was their rag then. They used that to carry their potatoes in. And you know, it's just incredible the sustainability factor that was included in that age. And it wasn't for sustainability. It was because that was their way of life. Um, so I think yeah. that's really beautiful. I have two questions for you. The first question has to do, my mom does not like to go with me to vintage shop 
because she thinks that everything is dirty. And I don't even tell, I I actually bought something from you. It's a jacket with pandas on it that I kept for myself. I was going to give it to her, but then I thought to myself, would she wear this? And I don't know if she would, if she knew it was secondhand. Yeah. My family, I mean, some of my family is very, like I said, antique based. And then the other half, if it is not new with tags from JCPenney or Boskov, they will not come within a 10 foot radius. But that is a very, very common misconception for, and I would say misconception with full utmost honesty, because I think, what about that, that top they bought from JCPenney's? You know, where was it before? It was on this dirty, dirty sewing machine in Bangladesh. And this girl who hasn't been able to shower in weeks is sewing this garment. What about that is clean? You know, what about that is sanitary? There is multiple, you know, quality control checkpoints for that. But I think, you know, it's everything can be washed most things can be absolutely cleaned. I steam everything that I get. So there's no chemicals or, you know, crazy mm-hmm. creatures living on anything. What kind um, of steamer do you have? Because I'm I, trying to buy one. Yes. I have a Jiffy steamer, which I got for Christmas. So it's definitely top of the line um, steamer. But I used a department store, just a generic steamer for a long time. Um, so there is, and I had one when I was in college, like a little handheld steamer too. So there's definitely ways, you know, that I wouldn't suggest, you know, just like you wouldn't buy something from a store and put it on as soon as you get out of the store. Like, you know, just like everything else, you just wash it. And that is something that I really think not everyone can walk into a thrift store and find something that they love. But I would like to think that they can come into my store and find it with a new eye, you know, so that's why I take things and they might need a little magic eraser or, you know, toss in the tumble dry or steam and they need to be put on a mannequin and paired with a bright cardigan or with a great belt. I have my studio has plants and hats in the background and all these things that kind of make them feel like this is something that I would wear or something that I would purchase at a high-end boutique and it gives them a little bit more of a visual of how that could fit into their life rather than sitting on a plastic hanger next to Forever 21 and H&M as neighbors. Yeah. My other question is, do you ever go to the outdoor? Because I'm thinking in my a couple of towns over, they have a Sunday flea market. I'm thinking about doing a booth this summer just to try it out, just to, again, clear out some of the stuff that I've acquired. Have you ever done any of those outdoor fair things? I did one in October and it was an amazing experience. It was really incredible. It was in Philadelphia and I found that it was just kind of like towards the middle of coronavirus and everyone was super respectful, social distancing, wearing their masks. And I was able to move an incredible amount of inventory. And just then that day, I paid, you know, 90% of my rent for that month, which was Great. exactly what I needed. And then I ended up getting my car towed, but nevertheless. <gasps> oh my goodness. Oh, <laughs> Nevertheless, oh. I still, you know, at the end of the day, I walked away with some money and the anxiety of checking where my car is every 30 minutes. But it actually is something that I recently moved into a studio space and in December, and it is 
super bright and sunny here and I am actually located in a trucking delivery center <laughs> so it is not in a retail mecca but it was what I could really afford right now and it is still a beautiful space but I do have some outdoor space right outside the studio so I was thinking of doing a social distance Sunday shopping day and having things outside that, you know, I can have my my regular clients come look at everything, kind of shop in an open air marketplace. But there isn't too many like that where I live. But if you have the opportunity, I say absolutely go for it. It is so worth it. Yeah, I'm going to just try it and see because this is something I like to do. It's not my main source of income, but I do. I'm just passionate about it and I've met so many great people doing it. And I just want to see if I can move a bunch of this stuff out. So tell us again how people can reach your store because I want everybody listening to check all this wonderful stuff out and find something nice to wear, buy some gifts for your friends, for your family. Where can we look at your shop? Yes. So you can find me on Carnet Creative, and that is K-A-R-N-E-T creative.com. And I have all of my links in there. So I am on Instagram. I am on Facebook. I am on YouTube. I am on um. Poshmark as a selling platform, eBay, and Depop. If you see anything that you like, you can go ahead and make a bundle or leave a comment that you came from Michelle from a showgirl tip of the day podcast, and I'd be happy to give you a discount. And um, I usually ship out same day. I'd love to help you find something if you're looking for something specific. I have a little over 730 items that are available right now to purchase. But actually this morning, I just picked up about 500 items from a dealer. So there is a lot of new pieces coming. So that is where you can find me and lots of the new treasures that are coming. Fantastic. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Michelle. It's been a pleasure. The Showgirl Tip of the Day podcast has original music composed by Joshua Holloway. Find him on YouTube, Joshua Holloway Music. This podcast is written by Michelle Bruckner and edited by Michelle Bruckner and Joshua Holloway. Find me on Instagram, Showgirl Tip of Day. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again next week with a new episode. Oh,